0: You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Hey, this is Pastor Andrew Romine, and today we are featuring a guest message from my friend Akil Thompson, who pastors the Pentecostals of Mississauga in Ontario, Canada. This sermon was preached here at CTK at the annual Illinois Section 4 Youth Week. Thank you for listening to the CTK Podcast. Here is Pastor Akil Thompson. Genesis 22 and verse 8. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. See how they just leapt off the page? God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Look at John 1 and 1. Many of you all can quote portions of this, if not all of it in its totality. But let's look at John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Skip down to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood nor the will of the flesh nor the will of man but of god and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory is of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth tonight i feel led to preach to you god gave me his word god gave me his word Help me pray. Spirit of God, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your presence. You alone are God and beside you there is none. We thank you for your word. Now I ask you to speak in this place tonight, God. Speak like only you can. I ask that you blow like the wind and fall like the rain, God. Let there be a flow of the river, the river of living water, God. Do whatever it is you want to do, for this is your church, and we are your people. And at the end of the day, we'll give you all the glory. Nobody in this place will be confused as to who to give the glory to. For thine is the kingdom. For thine is the power. For thine is the glory. And we love You this evening, God, and we give you praise. Would you clap your hands under Him in Jesus' name? Before you're seated, high five somebody tell them, God gave me His Word. God gave me His Word. Praise God! Praise God! I am, I've already revealed to you that I am an 80s child. And if you ask me, praise God! Somebody over here is Holy Ghost filled and sanctified. If you ask me, I think the 80s is arguably one of the greatest decades. Okay, we got some, got some people that know what I'm talking about. Praise God. It was the will of the Lord. Now I know I'm on assignment. I also feel incredibly fortunate because it is my authentic assessment. I feel somewhat overwhelmed, if you will, with gratitude because it is my commentary that my generation is probably the last to be deeply connected to a time in our culture that's now foreign to many people. I can vividly recall growing up in a time where kids played in the front yard with front doors unlocked. I can recall being able to go by Flossie's house for some ice pops or Miss Mary's house for some candy. But my generation is the offspring of a generation whose homes were constructed with front porches. So it was not uncommon at all for people to take evening walks, and sometimes you'd have a little conversation, and before you know it, you're chatting with one of your neighbors, and you're having some iced tea, and the next thing you know, you've been invited over for dinner. One thing led to another, and it was just great. We did life together. I can remember being an unexpected guest for dinner many times and being treated like I was family. There was always enough spaghetti and grape Kool-Aid for everybody. And y'all don't know anything about grape Kool-Aid. Praise God. But you know what? I want to I share one quote with you from Andy Stanley. He said it like this. He said that the American front porch further represented the ideal of community in America. For the front porch existed as a zone between the public and the private. An area that could be shared between the sanctity of the home and the community outside. It was an area where interaction with the community could take place. Now, we are moving at such a pace, we just want to get home, close the garage door behind us, retreat to our backyard with our six-foot privacy fences, and we don't want to interact with anybody at all. As a matter of fact, if we're being candid, we want to avoid people at all costs. I look back on my own personal memories and I, 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 I find myself enchanted by the cool cadence of my parents and my grandmother's stories of neighborhood life. I can remember uh, growing up as a teenager being instructed uh, to reach out to one of my father's friends. I'm not gonna get into all my story, but my father got locked up when I was 11. Uh, and I did not know it. I thought he owned a car dealership, and I believe he did. But perhaps it was an affront of some sort, some way. One way or another, they identified him as running one of the largest drug rinks in the East Coast. Uh, and our life made a dramatic turn. We went from living in a very fluent situation to a very different situation, what I call government cheese. And praise, praise you. You're all right if you don't know anything about government cheese. You ain't missing anything. That big block of cheese. Anyway, I'll stop now. Or somebody said, "Yeah, that's a good phrase, God." We were we found ourselves in a bind. I can remember we were we were in need of assistance financially. And my dad was adamant that I reach out to somebody, and I was a kid. I was really uncomfortable doing so. I found myself straddled with a lot of responsibilities that I wasn't prepared for at the age of eleven, and just simply taking care of my younger siblings frankly was a handful in and of itself but I can remember my dad being very clear and he was like I want you to talk to so-and-so go talk to so-and-so and And I was like you know what I don't want to talk to so-and-so and we had this back and forth tennis match and I just said to my dad how in the world do you know he is going to do what he said he's going to do and my dad was just like I've had enough here's how I know because he gave me his word See, we don't understand this because we're living in a different day and age. We're living in a day and age where our words don't mean much anymore. But there was a time you can talk to folks here tonight in the house that have a little seasoning on their lives where your word meant something. Not only did it mean something, your word would carry you places. I, Not too long ago, how many of you all enjoy Starbucks? Okay, you got a few people. Some of y'all like some of y'all go all the time. Y'all just trying to be cute and fake everybody out. So at one point I was a big Starbucks guy. I was going to a leadership meeting and I felt like I needed to have that Starbucks, that chai tea, no water, no foam with whipped cream, four pumps of chai. It's like everything. Right. And then I found out they have banana nut bread and I just felt the Holy Ghost. I felt an unction. (laughs) I felt an unction to get some banana nut bread while I was at it. And I said, you know what, hey, I want to get this, and I ordered it, and I was getting ready to go to my meeting, and she just spit out the total, and I was like, okay. I said, let me get, get that, and I was with my wallet, and I was like, oh, man, and my wallet, and I was like, well, let me check my other pocket that I never put my wallet in. I was like, let me see here, and the lady was looking at me like, mm-hmm, <laughs> and I was like, well, hold on. I was like, it's probably in my glove compartment. Why in the world it would be in my glove compartment is beyond me, but I was like, I'm going to check just in case the Lord translated it. Look in the glove compartment, knowing it's not in the glove compartment, but I'm just praying something's gonna show up. I'm gonna find some money there, and she just looking at me like, "Hmm." I said, "Well, look, obviously I, I left my wallet. I don't know where it is. So I'm, I'm embarrassed, but I really need this chai tea." <laughs> I was like, "So we gotta figure this out." I said, "How about, how about you let me get this chai tea and banana nut bread, and then I'm gonna go to the meeting. We're gonna have a really good meeting, and I wanna come back before y'all close, and I wanna pay you back." And she was like, how about, how about, she said, how about I just give you the banana nut bread and the chai tea and you don't worry about it? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do that. And so I, you know what? I, I went to the meeting. She gave it to me and I came back. I remember knocking on the window and she was like, oh my gosh, you did come back. I gave her my word. Can I tell you, can I tell you? There was a time where business deals were predicated, transacted, and concluded upon people's word and a handshake. But today we are living in a day of prenuptial agreements, last wills and testaments and power of attorneys, clauses, waivers, releases, contracts. And we even have pet protection agreements. I'm not even talking about one signature. I'm talking about three, five, maybe ten places that you have to sign. Why? Because your word is not enough. Not only is your word not enough, but your name is insufficient as well. For those, if just we just talked about it tonight. You have to sign a ministry release waiver, if you will, or a waiver, because some of your lives might be on the line and nobody wants to be held responsible but can I say there is something about God who understands that we ought to have enough confidence in him that when he tells us something he doesn't have to prove himself over and over and over again but the reason why I'm holding on to something is because God gave me his word. And there's somebody in the house tonight that is, everything may not match up the way that you feel like it ought to match up, but God gave you his word one year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, and the only thing you have to stand on is the word of God. And can I tell you, if that's all you have to stand on, then you stand firmly planted in the word of God, because if God said it'll come to if God said it'll come to pass, you ought to know it will happen, honey. It may not happen when you want it to, but I'm telling you, it will come to pass. Yeah. See, God gives us for the level, He gives us evidence according to our faith. God will work a miracle if you dare to stand upon the Word of God. Now, let me say this right now. I feel this so strongly. Some of you all, by the way, I like crazy people. I like desperate people. I like people that take God for his word. So we're going to be preaching tonight. And here's the thing about Pentecostalism. This is not, and I'm not minimizing any other faith tradition, but the delivery is usually different. It's much more dialogical in the sense that this is not a one-way street. This is not liturgical, and I'm not minimizing liturgical. A liturgy I'm just simply saying that if I say something or if the Holy Ghost when he's speaking through me says something it resonates with you and amen is appropriate. Yeah. what you're doing is getting into agreement and can I tell you I'm about to show you something in a moment when you get in alignment with the Word of God, You're about to tap into something that's going to absolutely blow your mind. And what I'm telling you is, as we're preaching and the Holy Ghost is moving, you don't have to wait. You can be like blind Bartimaeus. I got one shot right here right now. I'm not worried about what I don't have. I'm going to focus on this moment, this opportunity. If you feel led to stand and lift both your hands, you better do it and get a hold of what God is trying to give you because tonight is your night to receive a miracle. Now, you can worry about your neighbor if you want to, and you can worry about it. They're going to see you on Facebook Live. You can worry about everybody else and leave the same way you came. Or you can forget about everybody else and say, tonight is my night for... For my miracle tonight is my night for my healing tonight is my night for my deliver tonight is my night tonight is your night tonight is your night tonight is your night so let me show you something this is how I know God gives us evidence according to your faith or our faith you remember when you first came to know the Lord Watch this, watch this, because this is what we do. And God would say, hey, he would speak to you. He would say, is it DeMonte? Don't worry, bro, you're good. DeMonte, like, oh, Lord, not again. He's like, man, I, I ain't got but so many shirts in my closet, praise God. So, you're good, you're good. But, you know, the Lord would say, DeMonte, I want you to go do so-and-so. And, you know, when the Lord would speak to me back in the day when I first came to know the Lord, he said, keel I want you to do so and so and you know what I would do I would say well Lord if this is really you because I'm not sure I want you to have Pastor Thompson call me at like 11:53 a.m. in 10 seconds Brrr, phone would just hey man you know and the Lord would use him to speak and I was like okay Lord I'm not convinced just yet if that really is you, because that's a coincidence. You know how we do, we like to rationalize stuff. If that's really you, God, then I'm gonna need you to have my next door neighbor who can't stand me come to the house with some hot crispy cream donuts. And then you know what? Next thing you know, neighbor knock on the door. Hey man, I just want you to know I just I just came by hot, you know, these hot crispy cream donuts. I just had to give them to you. And then I'm like, all right, God. I think maybe now I get it, but just to be sure, I'm going to need you to do one more thing. You know, we fleece God like that. God is challenging us and God is provoking us and the entire time we're fleecing God. See, here's what it is. The reason why God meets those incredibly unique and bizarre demands in the infancy of our faith is because we need evidence. We want evidence. But here's what's different. The more you grow in your faith, you get less evidence. So this is messing some of you all up because some of you are wondering right now, God, you told me so-and-so was going to happen a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. And the thing is you're getting all mixed up and you're looking for a prophetic word and you're looking for this to happen and that to happen. And God wants you to stop looking for evidence or signs and just simply say, if you said it, I don't need somebody to knock on my door anymore. I don't need somebody to call me at 11:53. If you said it, God, I know it will come to pass. And so you're in the house tonight wondering, how is my wayward son going to come home? I'm here to tell you, if God said that if God said they're coming home, honey, they're coming home. You might be wondering, how is God going to heal my body of cancer? I want you to know if God said, he's going to heal you. You You need to know that cancer will leave your body because God is a healer. I'm here to tell you, and let me just say this right now. I want you to know that it is for everybody. It is for everybody. I curse that doubt right now. I curse that doubt. I want you to be absolutely convinced that God is able to do what he said he would do. You know what I love? The moment, remember the demon-possessed man? This ain't even in my notes. Remember the demon-possessed man, and the Lord shows up, the ship shows up. The moment, everybody, he's flipping out, cutting himself. They can't bind him up. They can't do anything. By the way, man's methods never work. It's a sermon for another day. The moment the Lord put foot on ground, the moment he stepped off that boat and put one foot on soil, everything changed. That man came running to the Lord. Worshiping him. I'm here to tell you. The moment you let God get up in your situation. The moment you let him get up in your diagnosis. The moment you let him get up in your finances. The moment you let him get up in your home. The moment you let him get up in your school. The moment you let him get in your relationship. I'm here to tell you. Everything will change. Everything will change every why because he is a way maker he is a healer here's the mistake we make we get we start staggering because we focus on all the where's the evidence where's the evidence where are the signs i want to see the signs but we got to be like abraham bible says he staggered not the promises of god in other words he was so convinced he was able to get his mind around the fact that God said it. It'll come to pass. And I'm not, I'm not confused. I'm not betwixt two different places. I know that God said it, and it's going to come to pass. So here's what's going to happen tonight. This is going to be crazy, because God's fixing to do some miracles. I'm going to tell you one quick story. Yeah, praise God. See, you think... And here's the thing that blows my mind anyway about God and miracles. We like to frame and size God up and say it's got to happen this particular way. But God is God. You can't put him in a box and you can't tell him how it's got to happen. I had a lady come up to me about three weeks, let's say four weeks ago. Her name was Sherry. She's married to an aborigine. Sherry came up to me. She said, Pastor, I need I need you to pray. She was like, I'm I'm, I'm I'm, riddled with pain. I had been diagnosed with lupus. She said, and right now, I know I'm standing before you, but she said, I'm shaking under the pain. I said, okay. She said, will you pray? I said, yeah. They call me pastor and, and, at, at the, in my home church, and we call our senior pastor, Anthony Ballesterio Bishop. She said, I said, Bishop, come on, let's pray. And told him what's happening. We just prayed. We weren't... I wasn't preaching and the organ wasn't backing me up. I just said, Lord, your word says that you are wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon you, and by your stripes we are healed. I believe that Sister Sherry is healed and there's no lupus in her body. She will walk in divine health in Jesus' name. That was it. We're done. She cried and just prayed, and I went about my business. Tuesday, Sherry went to the doctor. Sherry went to the doctor, and doctor took an incredibly long time. They had running tests and trying to figure out what the next steps are going to be, and they were taking so long, it was beginning to be uncomfortable. She thought the prognosis was going to be that much more worse, as if this is crippling and this disease has ravaged your body, and it's toast. And hours had gone by, and they came back, and they were like, Sherry, I'm sorry we took so long. We have just been reevaluating the situation because we can't get our mind around the diagnosis that we gave you last week. And looking at the test and the blood that we've drawn today, it doesn't show any cancer at all in your body. I'm telling you that our God is greater than lupus. He's greater than any cancer. He's greater than diabetes. I'm here to tell you he's greater than any mental illness. He's greater than any heartbreak. And he's here to heal you tonight. If you believe that, you ought to raise your hands and say, God, do it. Do it. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. So listen, be seated for just a moment. I'm going to tell you a story really quickly. Because here's how I know the Lord spoke to me. This I don't do this. This is really uncomfortable for me. But during this week, the Lord spoke to me and told me. And I, I asked the Lord. He told me, I'm getting ready to pour out financial blessing upon my people. He said, some of them get ready to walk in crazy financial blessing. This is how the Lord, just this is what I felt in my spirit. And I was like, well, Lord, why? I did. I did. I was like, well, why? And I was like, I didn't get an answer. Woke up this morning. The Lord told me. i'm coming soon and i'm going to give my people every absolute resource they need to turn their world upside down okay so i was like okay that's confirmation so i'm gonna tell you a quick story before i went into full-time ministry I was a corporate banker. Remember I told you about that on, on last night, just a little bit of the story. and had it, it, We got involved in the acquisitions, had a very successful career by the grace of God for his glory, 13 years. And I was sitting in my office and our commercial bank director came to me and he said, Akil, I want to basically, he was like, I want you to interview for the job, which is code, it's cryptic for I want to give you a job. So uh, I was really excited because that's how most of the opportunities I received in my corporate career had come about, the Lord had just given me favor. And I was so excited. Uh, the first thing I did was I looked at the requisition. The requisition is gives you all the specs on the job. And the first thing that I was drawn to was not the job description. The first thing I wanted to know was how much money I'm making. We can figure out what I'm going to do later. I looked, at that, I looked at that requisition and that income, and I was like, we in the money, the <laughs> money. I mean, I was. That's what, I'm serious. You think I'm joking? I went in the conference room and I was having a praise break. I was like, all by myself. There was nobody in that conference room. They might have seen me and just walked by and kept on walking. But I was having a praise break. I was like, Lord, praise God. I'm a utilitarian when it comes to vehicles. I was driving a beat up 1995 Toyota Corolla. I mean, it had dents all in it. Looked like somebody took a baseball bat to it. I would drive it. I'm parking down on P5, paying for it now. By this time, praise the Lord. Uh, and I was there parking, and you know what, everybody else, all the executive driving, 7 Series BMWs and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is so much money, and we were blessed. But this is so much money, I'm about to go pay for a 7 Series BMW cash and still have money left. over. I was like, praise God. And I'm rejoicing. I'm like, I'm going to do this in my 401k. I was just giving like 6 or 7%. I was like, I'm just going to get 15% because I can. I was like, match that. I'm just going down the list. And I'd been with the bank 13 years. I was 30 at this point. So I was thinking, well, I'll be able to retire in seven years, get a great check and pension, and go double dip somewhere else. And, you know, as I'm just thinking about all these possibilities, you know what the Lord told me to do? Resign. And I said, Lord, if this is really you, (laughs) I'm going to need you to have somebody call me. At 11.53 with 10 seconds. And I'm going to show you a whole lot of Krispy Kreme donuts because I'm going to eat myself out of this depression one way or another. I, I didn't know what to do. I thought, resign? Resign and do what, Sister Gina? I was like, where am I going to go? And so, can I tell you, if I'm being transparent, I didn't resign. And after 13 years of being in the bank, all of a sudden, that favor that I had amassed began to slip through my fingers. I couldn't clutch it tight enough. People were people were accusing me of stuff. I had never been in my regional vice president's office for any type of admonishment. I had only been in there for uh, accolades and, hey, man, attaboys, you're doing a great job. We're glad to have you on the team. These people are accusing me of all kinds of dumb stuff. And then I'm just like, what am I going to do? And the Lord spoke clearly to me, said, I told you to resign. You will not return to secular employment. That's what he told me the second time. And I was like, okay. So I wrote the resignation letter. I called my director and those 90 days had gone by. And I was like, hey, Angela, I need to meet with you. I worked in the downtown corporate office, but I asked to meet her at one of our branches. I worked for the fourth largest bank in the uh, country. Uh, and I said, she was like, why are we going to meet there? I said, just meet me there. And I was just a wreck. So she pulled in the parking lot I got out and I was just crying. I'm just, I'm trying to get myself together. You know how God's moving you those moments, and you get ready like to seal the deal, and you are just like I'm trying to keep my composure. And she's like, she's getting concerned because she can see me. I'm visibly upset. She's like, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, oh. "I'm like, I'm going to resign." And she's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "Why?" And I'm like, "Cause God told me to." <laughs> I'm not making this up. I'm just sobbing. She's like, and she starts crying. She's like, "Cause you know." Women are real sensitive, praise God. She was like, Oh, he did. <laughs> so we just we're crying, and I was like, Yes. And, the, and I, I was, she was like, What are you gonna do? And I was like, I don't know. I promise I'm not making any of this up. And so I get in my car and I'm we like, we're done, and I'm just like, whoa, what am I gonna do? Thirty days go by, sixty days go by. And honestly, Pastor Roman, I thought, well, I don't know what full-time ministry looks like. And I had no idea what full-time ministry looked like. I I, I was like a bivocational youth pastor. I got a little monthly stipend. But I was just, you know, I I didn't know. So I was like, is somebody going to come write me a check, Brother Russell? And maybe tell me, hey, go start a church for a couple million dollars. I didn't have any idea. We were living on some serious faith. Mama was at home with the kids. And I did not know what to do. And I was like, man, you know what, 90 days goes by. And I'm like, okay, Jesus, you know, it's one of those moments when uh, your wife looking at the finance, she's like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, girl, Jesus has got us. The moment she go to bed, I'm, on, I'm in the middle of the floor like, Lord, what are we going to do, Jesus? I ain't got a clue. I'm like, I'm tired of eating eggs, Lord. I can only do so much with eggs. Anyway, so one day, I ain't got to one day. Uh, I'll just tell you this real quick and move on. So, I mean, we just spend it through the money. We had savings. We started spending some other stuff. And I was like, ooh. Uh, and so we were going to have a revival. And my pastor wanted me to pick the preacher up. And I did not want to pick, pick the preacher up. I was really uncomfortable with this. Because I felt like, back then I called it spooky pooky stuff. But it's that prophetic stuff, right? I was really uncomfortable with that. I was like, that spooky pooky stuff. I was like, y'all can have that. I was like, I, and I felt like something like that was going to happen. When I picked this man up, so I did not want to pick this man up. So I obviously I didn't tell my pastor that because I'm going to do what my pastor tells me to do. Side note, you should do what the man of God, a woman of God tells you to do. And glad, joyfully, praise the Lord. So I did that. But to my wife, I was like, I don't want to pick that man up. Uh, uh, uh. But anyway, so I picked him up and I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep the conversation carnal. <laughs> I'm going to pick him up. But I was like, we're going to be carnal, carnal, carnal. So we picked him up, and I was like, "Yeah, man." I said, "You know, we started talking about cell phones, and uh, I we just just I, he started ripping the cell phone company." I was like, "Man, this is great." I was like, "This good. This conversation couldn't go any better." We didn't talk about anything spiritual. Literally, literally, literally. When I said, "I'm not joking," we were like three minutes from the hotel, and my spirit, I said, "Yes, no spiritual conversation." Never met this man before in my life. He turned to look at me. He was like, "Thus saith the Lord." I was like, oh. He said, you think you've been called to be a banker in the natural, but the Lord has used that as training ground to develop you to be a banker in the spirit. He said, he's deposited things in you for people who are spiritually and emotionally bankrupt. Don't need to make withdrawals from the deposits the Lord has given you. And at this point, I'm about to wreck. I'm like, he's like, my God, boy, you're going to kill us. And I'm like, I know, I know, I'm sorry. No, just kidding. He was like, you got more faith in these people driving opposite traffic than you do, God. And I was like, you're right. So, you know what? God began to read my mail. I remember one night he called us in after a second night of revival. He said, come here. I, I never met the man before in my life. The pastor was like, hey, man, this guy wants to meet with you. I'm not going to say his name. When I did. We go in and uh, we're sitting there. And my wife, he was like, I just want you to know that the Lord is done with Wachovia. Now, Wachovia was the fourth largest bank as far as assets were concerned. I wasn't working for them any longer, but I was still indignant. I was like, what do you mean? He was like, you heard me. He was talking to me like my dad. I'm sure He was like, you heard me. I, like, I, I didn't have a little too much bass in that voice. He was like, you heard me. God is done with Wachovia. I was like, what does that mean? He was like, son, God raised Wachovia up. To bless you and to bless His kingdom. His hand is off of Wachovia. Within six months, the fourth largest bank in the country, as far as assets are concerned, required a government negotiated buyout. <sighs> didn't know what was going. To, didn't know what was going to happen. So I thought, what are we going to do? All this time, God's given me some words, and I'm like, wow. Well, you know what? My pastor, I told my, pa- I didn't tell my pastor at this point. Because we were just kind of visionary one day, one day, you know how that someday type stuff is? Someday Kiel's gonna be on staff. That was like, okay, code for like, I don't know when that's gonna happen. Maybe somebody write us a big fat check. So I was like, okay, you know, and, and so we decided to go on a Daniel's fast. Technically, it wasn't 21 days, so I know biblically it wasn't a correct Daniel's fast. It was like three days. But it was the first time I'd ever not had like Krispy Kreme donuts. All the it was a struggle, okay? That that Daniel's fast, or whatever I want to call it, three days was real, okay? Uh, And the Lord knew that, so he answered our prayer. You know, he said, here's what you need to do. He rolled it out, and uh, we decided to, he said, man, I'm going to try to get you on staff at the church. We're going to try to raise your salary in one day. And uh, by the grace of the Lord, we exceeded the goal that was met. The church rallied behind the vision, and then I've been in full-time ministry ever since, and I give God praise for that. Now, the money I was making was was a fraction of what I made as a corporate banker. Didn't have health insurance. We were struggling. You know, we spent through all our money. I went from having like an 803 credit score and no debt and lots of money in retirement and savings to like nobody wanted to let me borrow anything. I mean, my my neighbor wouldn't let me borrow his lawnmower. He was like, "No, bro." He's like, "No, no, no. I see what's happening. You just you struggling, man. You are struggling." The struggle was real. Sarah had a couple of health crises, and we found ourselves with the medical debt mounting, so forth and so on, and everything was just messed up. Well, by the grace of the Lord, we just put one foot in front of the other. You just got to be faithful. Just got to be faithful. We just put one foot in front of the other, Said, God, this is all under you. You're going to provide for us. We never went went hungry. I always had vehicles to get to where we need to go, and the Lord saw fit to begin to expand uh, my platform for whatever reason to preach, and so I'm getting a little bit of extra income, and you know what? Uh, for example, when I was a corporate banker, played golf all the time. I ain't not played golf since I've been in full-time ministry. <laughs> ain't played. My clubs, my wife was making fun of my clubs not too long ago because they just got like shrink wrap still around them from when we left Virginia. Praise God. Anyway, so my point is I begin to feel a little antsy because now I'm, I'm like, well, I got to worry about retirement. Now, remember what the Lord told me. Just stick with me for a moment. The Lord told me you will not return to secular employment. So I'm traveling around, I'm meeting with people and they're like, well, man, I'm like, what do you do for retirement? I'm always asking questions. What do you do? I'm talking to them and they're like, oh, well, I've got this business, that business, or, you know, that. And I'm like, man, they're like, you need three sources of income. You need seven sources of income. I'm like, no wonder y'all are doing so well. Praise God. I need three sources of income. I need seven sources of income. So I'm like, I got to figure this out and I got to work on these sources of income. And so what I decided to do, I'm going to be a real, I'm going to go into real estate. Talked to a buddy of mine. He's selling real estate on the side. I can do it, you know, and still be in full-time ministry and do what I need to do. And I talked to my pastor. He was like, man, go ahead and do it. And I'm just working on it. And the whole time, I'm feeling a serious check in the Holy Ghost. Like, I told you, you will not return to secular employment. But I'm like, God, I hear you. Do you see what's in my retirement account? I was like, okay, God, so we got to figure this thing out. So, the whole time, I'm just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm ignoring that check. I got a thick skull and a big head, if you can't tell. Um, and so, I was like, I'm just going to do this. And I'm getting ready to take the real estate test. I'm taking the classes. And I'm going to take the test. And I mean, like, the Lord is like leaning on me. Like, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So, you know what? One night, I was venting to my wife. I was talking. I said, you know what, Lord? She was just sitting in the chair. And so, what happens is when she knows I'm getting ready to vent. She's sitting down. And I just start pacing just pacing in my room, just feverishly, furiously. And I'm like, you know what, Lord? I was like, I just want some nice socks (laughs) that ain't from Walmart. I ain't ain't nothing wrong with socks from Walmart, but I'm just saying. I was like, I want some socks that don't fade and the elasticity don't break right away. (laughs) And then I was like, you know what else, Jesus? Like, you know, if you want me to not take this real estate test, I want a car. I was like, I drive a 2006- Nissan Sentra and like my family, the four of us getting it. We all like this. (laughs) Ain't nothing wrong with Nissan Sentra. It was faithful. Praise the Lord. But I was like, it's tight. It's tight. That's Might be tight, but it's right. Praise God. So I was like, I'm tired of this. So I go to preach. Preaching at this camp. Ah, You know what? This guy comes to me who I found out was your father. Didn't know that till today, like two hours ago. That's why I felt like this was a confirmation. So his dad comes to me. His dad was like, hey, you know what, my sons he just texted me. His dad was like, my son's going to be on the organ tonight. I was like, what? I was like, that's your son? Wow. Love your dad. Man, your mom is amazing. But anyway, moving on. Ain't got time for all that. Just tell him I gave him a shout out. So I'm at this camp, this uh, eclectic mix of independent churches, apostolic churches in Santa Claus, Indiana, Uh, preaching. Um, and This guy comes up to me, his dad. He's like, I'm a microbiologist. And He was like, man, you know, I traveled over Scotland. He was like, you know what? When I'm over there, uh, I always, he's like, he's giving me this story. He's like, I like to buy this particular sock. He said, it's a really nice sock. He said, dress socks. He's like, they never lose their elasticity. (laughs) I was like, man. I mean, he was just hitting my, he was like, you know what? I was coming out of my RV, I'm going to go preach. I mean, we on the platform. He was like, I was coming out of my, my RV, and the, he said, I just got back from Scotland, and he said, when I, I go over there, I buy, all these, I buy all these socks, I just buy a ton of them. He said, you know what, um, the Lord told me to give you these socks. <laughs> I was like, praise God. So here I am. I'm going to the pulpit with like a whole bunch of socks, new socks, and I'm putting my socks up here, praise God, and I'm getting ready to preach. I get done, you know, I get, and the Lord moves, and I'm with one of the pastors, driving in the van, I get a phone call. Phone call goes like, you know, you asked the Lord for a car. I was like, well, maybe, I wouldn't know, maybe I was more like venting, and they were like, They sent me a picture. They said, you asked the Lord for this car. Because I told the Lord, I said I wanted a Honda Accord. And they sent me a picture of a white Honda Accord. They said, here's a cashier's check. or When you get back, there'll be a cashier's check waiting for you in your house. You go to the car dealership and get the car that you asked the Lord for. Here's what's crazy. I went to go get the car, picked it out at the dealership, and all this guy was like, "Okay, we got to work out the financing, yada." I was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Well," I said, "No, we're good." He was like, "What do you mean?" He was like, "Well, how are you gonna pay for it?" I was like, "I'm gonna pay with it for my debit card." He was like, "Debit card?" I said, "Yeah." Can y'all? He was like, he stuck his head out the office. He was like, "This man said he gonna pay with the boy's debit card." I was like, "No, I'm serious." He was like, so everybody was running around like he running around telling people. He's like, "This man said he gonna use his debit card." He's like, can we even do that? I was like, I said, because see, when God does a thing, he said, when I give you something, there is no sorrow attached to it. I'm here to tell you, some of you all about to step into some things where God's going to give you raises and God's going to give you increases. People are going to give you cars and people will give you thousands of dollars. Why? Because he's trying to move his kingdom. I'm here to tell you, you're stepping into increase. The Bible says he's giving us everything according to life and godliness. There is no lack in Jesus there's no lack in jesus there is no lack in jesus be seated for just a moment i want to hurry up so you know what this is gonna sound crazy florida we had a drought pastor russell i'm talking like no rain in the forecast we had like a month long every pond stuff drying up otters running away you didn't see them because there was no water <sighs> told my wife i said man i said we need rain I said, Lord, we need it to rain. I said, I need you to come in, hunker down, and rain for many days. I'm not joking. There was no no rain in the forecast. Before that afternoon was over, it began to rain. It rained for almost seven days. I had testified about it to our church, right, during the rain. And they were like, well, can you please tell the Lord to stop? I'm serious stuff, stuff was starting to flood I mean because we were dry you know the ground, couldn't, the ground couldn't hold it and I was while I was up there I was, I'm talking to them I'm asking the Lord like Lord why did why did it, why did, why did it rain because I was like that like worked <laughs> I was like why did that work like that and he was like Akil you prayed in alignment with my will this is really important When you get in alignment with the will of God and the word of God, everything changes. See, he gives you access for everything that you need when you're in alignment with his will. This is why I had somebody send me a prophecy because I'd received the new car. Our people were just faithful people work at grocery stores, Home Depot, blah, blah, blah. I didn't want to drive the car because I didn't want them to thank, you know, pastor, thank you big time pastor kill thank you big time so i had the car sitting in the driver i was still driving the 2006 nissan central and somebody sent me a prophecy they were like i mean they just read my mail they said i see a new car but you don't want to drive it because of what uh because of what you think others might think but the lord says i want you to have the best and then he goes on to say you know what he says you're worried about spending money too the lord says if it's his will it's his bill So check this out. This, this individual who called me up and said, you know what about the car? They called me back and said, listen, I wasn't completely obedient. You've been seeking income opportunities outside of the will of God. Talking about real estate. They, the, she said that the Lord, the Lord said, if you will give this to me, I will send, talking about real estate, be done with it. I will send strangers who you don't even know will give money into your bosom. So the moment I received that prophecy, I was like, oh, my gosh. I went to my pastor. I said, man, I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to pursue this real estate thing. I sacrificed it. And literally, literally, that next Wednesday, I put it on the altar that Sunday. That next Wednesday, uh, somebody came to me, guy in East, and they said uh, they were uh, trembling, broken English. And they were trying to say, that I've, I've got something to give you. But they were saying, I have something to say to you. Uh, And they kept saying, I have something to say. I have something to say. And I was like, we'll say it. But what she meant was I have something to give to you. And so she had had given me some money. I'm telling you, since that day, I've had people come up to me. This is going to sound crazy. I almost want to say don't stream this or whatever because I ain't no telling who's watching. But you know what? I've had people come up to me and send us on cruises. I've had people come up to me. I had one guy. I was in I was uh, I was in southern part of Texas, and like you know, I was down with my Latino family, and I love Mexican food, and so I love everybody, you know. But this guy was a, a bit of an anomaly because he was like six five, right? You don't really run into too many tall Latinos like that. And he was like, "Man, I want to talk to you." And I was like, "Okay." He was like, "Let's go in this closet." And I was like, "Go in this closet for what?" <laughs> I was like, "I ain't uh, you know closet." And he was like, well, just come on. And I was like, all right. So he reached up top. And I was like, "What is this brother doing?" He reached and boom, you know, came out. said, man, the Lord told me to give this to you before you came here. And I was like, okay, praise. It was an envelope. Anytime you give a preacher an envelope, we got to use the bathroom real quick. <laughs> I was like, man. I was like, all right, praise God. You know, I just, excuse myself. I got to use the restroom for a moment. Got in the stall. I was like, Phew. Opened it up. I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, 100, 200, 300, 400, 500. 600, 700, 800, give me $1,000. My point is, I could go, I'm telling you right now, money has been chasing me down. Because what the Lord said, and I've got in alignment with his will and his word, and this is key. One of the things that happened when you read this, John is writing to this Grecan audience. And the Grecans were people that were philosophical. They were so culturally sophisticated that they were thinkers. So instead of when they would have moments of entertainment, really what they would do, they would gather around and they would think. Aristotle, Plato, Socrates. They would sit down and philosophize. And they would talk about things. And John is writing to this audience. He's trying to help them understand the identity and the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. And so as he's writing to them, he uses these same monumental words that Moses used in the beginning. In the beginning was the what? The word. So what's interesting about this word, this logos, is that the Greeks believed in this notion of chaos. And the only thing that would bring symmetry or order out of chaos is a logos, a word. So what they would often do is they would go around and they would philosophize. And let's say I live in Ont- uh, Mississauga, Ontario. And I will in a couple of weeks. And let's say uh, I run into Pastor Romine in uh, Nevada or let's even make it further than that. Let's say we run into each other in Scotland. They would say, wow, must be the Logos. It's the only way they could explain it. If they lost the job on Monday and then nobody, uh, they didn't tell anybody, somebody else called them Tuesday and offered them a different job, they would say, must be the Logos. That's the only way they could make sense out of this. And so when John is writing to them, what he's saying is Jesus Christ, when he stepped on the scene in a world that was in chaos, everything that was out of line had to fall in line. The moment he stepped foot on the planet, everything that was out of whack had to become in order because of who he is and a word. And what I'm here to tell you is God gave you a word to let you know that what was chaos and what was in disarray is fixing to be in order. And here's where it's really crazy, because just like he put on flesh and bones that day, your promise is fixing to put on flesh and bones right before your very eyes. If God, here's how I know God said he will heal you. He said, I sent my word to heal your disease. Here's how I know he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost because he said the promise is unto you, unto your children, unto your children's children, unto as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's for black people. It's for brown people. It's for white people. It's for old people. It's for young people. It's for people who can't put two pennies together. Honey, the Holy Ghost It's for everybody. Some of you may want to know, well, how in the world can I keep my mind together in the midst of the heartache and heartbreak? I'm living in hell. I'll tell you how. He said, I'll keep you in perfect peace. Keep your mind stayed on me. Gave you my word. Some of you are wondering, "How, how how is it? How is it? How is it? How is it? tell you how it is because he said goodness and mercy will right. right. we'll follow you all the days of your life you're wondering you're wondering how 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 why 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 it's because he gave you his word yeah. I want everybody to stand I don't even have time to to unpack this I've I'm I'm taken entirely too long you can begin to play something Softly. But the Holy Ghost is here to heal. The Holy Ghost is here to deliver. The Holy Ghost is here to restore. So people right now, I feel it as the Lord just revealed it to me. You are overburdened. Oh my God. With debt. And the Lord is revealing there to me. There's a dual meaning in that. Some are overwhelmed with the weight of sin, guilt, sin. God's going to take care of that tonight. There's others that are overwhelmed with financial burden. you tried your best. You can't shake it. Can I tell you it's the will of God that you walk in divine wealth? I know that messes some of you up in your theology, but you need to stop. I come against this poverty-stricken mentality. I didn't say that we, we we teach and preach a gospel of prosperity. I understand we suffer. I get it. There's several. There's a baptism of suffering. I get that. I get that. But I believe it is the will of God that you and I be the head and not the tail. It's his word that says we're the lender and not the borrower. I believe God wants to give you such increase in businesses and promotions that you'll be able to plant churches and you'll be able to satisfy debts and you'll be able to raise up staffs and you'll be able to send missionaries and we'll be able to have schools and we'll be able to have colleges and universities. We'll be able to have secondary schools and preschools right here in this community because where children can start their education in preschool and finish at one of our colleges because God has given you the resources to turn your world upside down. God wants to fund his kingdom. He wants to advance his kingdom in this region, and it happens through money. We need to stop. You know what drives me crazy? The Mormons get this. The Catholics get this. The seventh day of Venice. Get this. The Apostolic Church. I'm not here to beat anybody up. trying to convince you. We we give to the Lord. All right. The tithe is holy. Scripture, not me, and it belongs to God. I learned a long time ago. I'm going to give God what's His. That that goes back to the beginning. He said, Adam and Eve, do whatever you want, however you want. Do what you want when you want to do it. Let's see that right there. Don't you eat from that. That belongs to me. Some things that belong to the Lord. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Here's how this altar is going to unfold. It's God's revealing it. If, If you, I'm telling you right now, I'm walking in the Holy Ghost. Debts are about to be canceled. Debts are about to be canceled in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about financial debts. Student loans are about to be eradicated. I'm telling you, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I had, We had one, one person who said, you know what? I ain't got to wait till tonight. She was like, I believe that. That's for me. Walked in. Do you know how unreal it is to get an increase of 11%? Typically, I've been in the corporate world, it's two to maybe five percent. If you got over five percent, somebody had somebody up high was signing off on that. We had one person last night get an 11 percent increase. I had people come up to me, I'm not gonna receive an offering. But one time I was in my church back home and I received a spirit-led offering. Never done that before in my life. And people come up to me. They've been on the job three months. You know what they said? My boss called me in the next day. Said, man, you're doing such a wonderful job. I'm going to give you a raise retroactive to three years. Been on the job three months. But they're like, you are saving us so much money and your productivity and your efficiency. People have been, it's been wild to see what God has done in their lives. So here's what I want to challenge you two things oh I feel it mm. I'm just going to say it because I feel like the Holy Ghost wants me to two things one if you've not yet walked in agreement and alignment with his word and given him a tenth of what's his if you'll begin to do that God's going to pour out blessing upon you you will not have room enough to contain it two two. this is going to sound crazy I'm not going to receive it tonight and I'm not talking about for me but the Lord has already told me he's laid an amount on some of your hearts to give unto the Lord You've known it. You've been wrestling with it. And he's brought it back to you tonight. I know I'm talking to somebody. The Lord is telling me, if you'll give that to me and put it in my kingdom, I'm going to pour out a financial blessing upon you. That's going to blow your mind. And you are getting ready to step into financial increase.